Welcome to this week's podcast, Chucking It from the Cheap Seats with me, Coach Josh Thompson. This week, we welcome a special guest from the IHSAA, Assistant Commissioner Brian Lewis. Brian, high school athlete, a star athlete at Jasper High School, went on to play college football at Indiana State. He has been a coach and administrator at several schools throughout the state of Indiana. We are excited to have him on with us today. Checking it from the cheap seats. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. For over 32 years, D1 basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, shooting camps, we improve performance, period. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest independent basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 basketball facts. D1 basketball camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 team camps has hosted more sectional championship teams, Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp, shootout, or summer tournament. D1 team camps provide the best chance for a school's coach to work with all their teams against top-flight competition from throughout the Midwest. Chucking it from the cheap seats is brought to you by Shootaway. Offering products like 12K series guns proven by time and again by the nation's top school and college coaches slash programs. For special pricing discounts, contact Bruce Health at 317-767-5543 or go to shootaway.com. All right, well, this morning we, uh, we're blessed to welcome the Assistant Commissioner of the IHSA, Brian Lewis. Um, Brian has had a uh, career in secondary education that has spanned schools from 1A schools like North Vermillion all the way to uh, 4A schools like Evansville, Harrison, and Jasper. Uh, he has been a head football coach. He had a, a playing career that uh, – a very nice playing career in high school where he was a member of the high school state championship football team at Jasper, his alma mater. Uh, went on to play college football at Indiana State and then – became a head coach and an administrator and, and Brian, I don't mean to steal a whole lot of your thunder, but thanks for being on with us this morning. And, and we're really blessed to have you and, and uh, have you give us some insight this morning. Thanks for being on. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. I've been, you know, like you said, I've been blessed to, to have a career up to this point uh, to do what I love, everything from playing high school athletics to coaching high school athletics, to being an athletic administrator and now administering, um, high school athletics at the highest level. So, uh, you know, I've been extremely fortunate uh, for the opportunities in front of me, and, and I enjoy uh, high school athletics every day of my life. Absolutely. Well, that's one of the things I really wanted to hit on this morning as I was driving in and we were going to do the podcast. I was, you know, thinking about you, and, you know, I, I really think a lot of Commissioner Knighting and uh, the fact that he always seemed to be everywhere. Um Whenever I was at Vincennes Lincoln, I know that's when Paul became commissioner of the IHSA, and I remember going to a unified track meet at Evansville Central, and we're not talking about a, a sectional. We're not talking about, you know, advancing through the tournament and unified track. 
this was just a regular invitational on a Saturday, and I look down there, and there's Paul Knighty, and I know he's got family in the, the Evansville area, but just looking down there on the field and, and seeing him out there in his presence, and now when I go to different things, like I went to the IBCA clinic last week, and I, I saw you there, and I, I, I just, as a basketball coach, appreciate the presence that, that you and Paul have at different events. Now, Paul's about as good as it gets, and, and I would be remiss to say that he didn't uh, train me or mentor me over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul, it, it's interesting when Paul was the AD at Central, my mm-hmm. father was the AD at Jasper, and, mm-hmm. and they had a group with Bernie Meyer and Johnny Evers down at Castle and Boonville, and, and they really got tight. And I was fortunate to have the same type of group uh, when I got into athletic administration, but I'd gotten very close to those four guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're as good as it gets when it comes into athletic administrators. So a lot of the things that, you know, I do today that come naturally or because of, of Paul, my father, those guys, um, but we enjoy getting out to athletic events. You know, I just went to a unified conference meet this Saturday because it was a beautiful day outside. And, and those that have never been to unified track need to go. It's an unbelievable experience. Same thing with unified flag football. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is the purest uh, of pure when it comes to high school athletics in Indiana. Absolutely. We just, we had a unified track meet last night. We got that started here uh, last year and, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at the unified football. Um, you know, Bar Eve is known as a, a football powerhouse, so we, we think <laughs> we think that we might be able to turn the script and, and uh, turn it over to unified football. Well, you high school, you know, I don't think about volleyball or basketball or anything. Football is always the first thing that comes to my <laughs> mind, I know, when I think of Bar Eve. But, no, it would be a great experience for your kids and your community. And, um, again, it's just an extension of, of the classroom and, and education-based athletics. But, God, it's a great experience. Absolutely. Yeah. The, for those listeners out there that aren't familiar with unified sports, basically you are pairing athletes who are special needs, uh, special education students with partners who are part of the general ed population. And it's just exciting to watch the interaction of those kids, uh, not just between one school and another. Like last night we were at Bedford North Lawrence and had Seymour there, but just the kids at school because a lot of times those kids don't tend to run in the same types of circles. And so getting them out there on the field of competition together is just awesome to watch those kids. It, it really is. And to watch the relationships that are developed between those kids are unbelievable. Yes. Uh, just last year we've added uh, scholarships um, through Lee Lonzo and, and Special Olympics um, that are designed for unified athletics. And so that was a, mm-hmm. a great thing that the IHSA Foundation rolled out last year. Yeah, Lee does a lot of work with that stuff and, and does an incredible job. Absolutely. Coach, uh, you, know, you, you kind of hit on mentorship and attaching yourself to good people. The podcast is typically geared toward coaches and, you know, guys that are aspiring uh, head coaches that are young assistants. And, um, you know, you just touched on that a little bit, but, how big of an impact do you think that has been for you and kind of climbing up the professional ladder to get to where you're wanting to be in a leadership position like this with the IHSA? Uh, just touch on that for just a second. Well, you know, it's, it's immeasurable. And, you know, I don't care what profession you're in, whether it's coaching, athletic administration. You know, I've spoken at some official uh, conferences and sportsmanship summits. And, you know, the message is always, similar when you talk to people of, of just how connected people are across the state of Indiana, whether it's the coaching world, the AD world yes. um, and people, 
you know, as they travel throughout the state, they, they meet people from all over the place, mm-hmm. like your IBCA clinic last weekend. And, and then those people keep in touch and things are different in Northern Indiana than they are in Southern Indiana or central Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great to, to talk to those people and get their opinions and ideas. And, you know, coaching used to be, um, you know, I hide my, my plays and my, my folder in the, in the desk that nobody can get a hold of, but I think we've evolved a little bit past that. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are really out sharing great ideas and, and people are learning from it. And I think it's advancing, uh, not only the game of basketball, but high school athletics, but it's, you know, it's been extremely important for me. Um, I was fortunate enough that, you know, my brother has been involved in coaching for years, mm-hmm. um, and just named the new head basketball coach at Ball State. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have that as a resource, um, and then my father doing uh, coaching in, in the athletic director world for 17 years has been a great mentor for me and always somebody that I could call and spit spitball ideas. But, you know, I encourage people to go out and, and find somebody that's going to challenge you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want somebody that's going to agree with you all the time. I think, you know, as a, as yeah. a head coach, you don't want assistants that's going to say yes. Yes. Um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have assistant ADs at Monrovia and Jasper that, would challenge me and mm-hmm. would argue with me for the sake of arguing. Yeah. It, it really is extremely helpful when you're making tough decisions that you've already gone through uh, that type of discussion with people you trust. Absolutely. You know, you, you taught, you also talked about your dad being a coach and athletic director there at Jasper. And, you know, I, I remember as a young coach at Lagodi uh, being an assistant under Steve Brett and I was a freshman coach and just how good your dad was to me whenever I brought teams down to Jasper as the freshman coach at Lagodi. And that, that always struck me. And not that I ever really had any bad experiences with ADs or, you know, different things as a freshman coach. But a lot of times when you're a young coach, you don't really expect to be treated the way that your dad, you know, would treat me whenever I would bring teams down there. I mean, he just would go above and beyond to make sure that everything was okay, that we knew where we needed to be and when we needed to be there and what door to come in. And um, just a lot of respect for your dad over the years. And then, you know, the fact that your grandfather was at one time the commissioner of the IHSA. When you were younger and you were in high school and obviously your dad and your grandpa being in the positions that they were in, did you see yourself here um, as being an assistant commissioner uh, of the IHSA? I think it's hard to see yourself in in this position because there's just so many factors that come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's five assistant commissioners and one commissioner, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of people throughout the state that are deserving and, and have the ability to do this job. So there's a lot of things that come into play. Um, obviously, I knew at, at some point I wanted to get into athletic administration, and, and I think this has always been a, a dream of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had the opportunity to go back to Jasper and sit in the same seat my father did, which was you know, extremely special for me. And now to sit in the same office that uh, my grandfather did when he was the assistant commissioner yeah. um, is extremely special. So I've been very fortunate to, for this to fall into place. Um, but, you know, I spent my entire high school professional career getting myself prepared that if this opportunity ever presented itself that I was ready. And that's what I encourage, you know, young coaches and, and administrators out there to do and to chase your goals and your dreams and and just be prepared if that opportunity ever presents itself. You know, you touched on the fact that that Indiana seems to be so interconnected. I think one of the positives is, you know, we're not a little bitty state uh, geographically wise like Connecticut, but we're not Montana. 
And so we are, you know, kind of close knit from that respect. And, um, but I, but I also think the IHSA plays a big part into that. And I know you see, and you go to these national conferences and you hear what Florida does and what Texas does with their state tournaments, with basketball, football, wrestling, but just kind of hit on maybe one or two things that you see from your perspective when you go out and you talk to these people from other states that makes high school athletics so special in the state of Indiana? Well, you know, I think there are several things, uh, but most importantly, um, you know, I think there's a relationship between the IHSA, the coaches associations, mm-hmm. and the AA, the Athletic Directors Association, mm-hmm. where we're truly all in this together. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, with being visible, we our office enjoys going out and seeing uh, high school kids participate, mm-hmm. and, and that's important. And our athletic directors do a great job of welcoming people in, making those experiences positive. I think we have some of the best coaches in the country, and, and you know, people will laugh when you say that. Everybody says that. But we truly believe that, and, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of work to make sure that our coaches are trained, our officials are trained, our athletic administrators are trained. Um, and so I think that helps, but I think that also contributes to how close everybody in the state of Indiana is. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, you know, as we go out and talk, we remind kids and parents and, and anyone that we possibly can how fortunate we are to play in the venues that we play our state championships in. Absolutely. When you think of, you know, boys and girls basketball and wrestling in Gamebridge, mm-hmm. softball at Purdue University, uh, Indiana University hosting our track. IUPUI in the natatorium for swimming, IUPUI for soccer. I mean, it just the list goes on. Lucas Oil Stadium for football. It, it's unbelievable the venues that our, our our young people get to to participate at the highest level in, and, and we're fortunate to have the sponsors we do with the Indianapolis Colts and the Indiana Fever and Indiana Pacers that make a lot of that possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we try to remind people because as you travel across the country, that's not something that's given in other states absolutely yeah i think that's something that that people need to be reminded of a lot that it's not as special in other states as it is in indiana and you talk about the venues um that kids get the opportunity to play in i mean just talk a little bit about the facilities that you see when you go out i mean jasper's got unbelievable facilities bar eve we have unbelievable facilities for a school that's our size you know we've got newcastle we've got seymour lafayette jeff jim um these facilities that, that schools have in Indiana, what are some of your favorites, some of the things that you see when you go out? Well, you know, we've got cathedrals that are, are built all over the state of Indiana. And, you know, we talk about our professional venues for the state finals, but, you know, all through the tournament, all through the regular season, our kids are, are in facilities that are just unmatched anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I enjoy all the special ones, Jasper, Washington, uh, Richmond, Southport, mm-hmm. Newcastle, you know, all those that everybody knows about. But I, I've really enjoyed traveling this winter um, to, to some of the smaller communities in the state and seeing even the old-style gyms with the stage on the end. And the, oh, yeah. You know, the smaller condensed atmospheres. Uh, my my parents moved into Annapolis in December mm-hmm. uh, for the grandkids, not for me. Yeah, and, <laughs> and my father had the opportunity to travel around with me, so it's been interesting for for him to go to places that he had coached up in the northern part of the state and uh-huh. and to revisit some of these gyms. But um, I mean, our facilities in, in Indiana are unbelievable, and it's a testament to you know our school administrations and our athletic departments and. Everybody that goes into keeping those venues looking for seats. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it, it goes back to, um, you know, I, I just think the people in the state of Indiana take a lot of pride, people in their communities, that, that the schools are kind of the centerpiece of the community. And it's definitely not that way when you get away from Indiana. I've got friends that, that live in surrounding states. And when we go visit them, yeah, high school athletics is pretty cool. It's pretty important. Uh, we've got friends that live in Sylvania, Ohio, and, and their son plays at St. Francis High School, a Catholic school there, and they play their home games at the University of Toledo. But it's not as big a community atmosphere in in that part of the country as it is in the state of Indiana. You're right. And you know, high school athletics is important in Indiana. I mean, just look at the amount of media coverage and the people that mm-hmm. attend our events and, yeah. and the opportunity for our kids to perform um, under that is, is unbelievable. But even more than that is our schools are the center of, of the communities, whether, you know, you can call it a YMCA or whatever it may be, but our schools are the center of communities all across the state. Everything that goes on in those buildings represents that community. And it's, it's really exciting to watch the buy-in, um, you know, as teams advance through the tournament or even a neighboring school advances and to watch those communities come together and to go to what lengths mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to celebrate those championships and, and those kids. You know, Brian, you hit on something a little bit ago about, you know, that, that makes Indiana high school athletics, um, you know, special. And, and I think our referees um, in the state of Indiana, I think they're top notch, you know, um, but some of them are getting a little long in the tooth. And then we're also getting to where we have an umpire shortage. Um, hit on some of the things that the IHSA is doing to, to try to get out in front of that problem. I know you've got some educational things that you're doing with high school kids, uh, and, and I see a lot of your marketing promotions about, you know, sportsmanship directed toward umpires so that they want to stay in in that business, that vocation. But what are some of the things the IHSA is doing with referees and umpires? Well, I think uh, first we want to thank all of our officials and umpires across the state. We license thousands of officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the part that people have to remember is that we also have youth programs all over the country. We have uh, travel baseball teams all over the place, travel mm-hmm. softball teams all over the place. Um, there are games going on outside of high school athletics mm-hmm. that, that require officials. Yeah. Um, and it also helps train our officials, but they do an excellent job of allowing kids of all ages uh, to participate. And I would tell anyone that is interested in staying in athletics after those playing days are over, mm-hmm. that officiating is a great way of doing that. Yeah. You stay close to the game. Uh, we have great people. We talk about how coaches are connected across the state. So are these officials. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get information from the southern tip of Indiana to the northern tip of the Indiana, um, tell an official. It'll get there quicker than anything else. <laughs> uh, but they really are connected, and they love kids, and they love to give them the opportunity. Um, but we're at a point where, you know, many of them are getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have as many young people getting into the profession. Um, and we're trying to, to take steps to do that. Uh, sportsmanship is um, probably the biggest thing that the everyday fan can help us with in, in attending events and, and being respect, respectful and supportive of their team and, and allow officials to do their job. Mm-hmm. You know, for some reason, fans forget that uh, officials are people too, and they've, they've had a long day at whatever their permanent job is, and then they take time away from their families and their evenings to come out and, and officiate a contest so high school kids have the the 
um, option to participate. And without them, high school sports goes away. Absolutely. Yeah, they are an integral part. You know, I think, you know, we we suffered uh, about two weeks ago. We, we lost a JV game, a JV baseball game, because we couldn't find umpires on that particular night. So it, it's one of those things where it, it is starting to touch us here in the state of Indiana, starting to become an issue. Uh, but hopefully we can start getting some younger people that are interested but, in, in officiating. Absolutely. And there's, there's been several steps um, taken by Sandra Walter, who mm-hmm. is uh, unfortunately leaving us and, and going back into the AD world at Franklin Central um, at the end of June. Um, but she has, over the last 10 years, advanced officiating um, probably more than anyone. Mm-hmm. And, and she has come up with the idea with the help of um, – her officiating advisory group uh, to offer a class in high schools, mm-hmm. officiating one-on-one and uh, to be able to get a provisionary license while you're still in high school and learn the rules and the techniques and, and hopefully gain interest in wanting to continue that after high school um, is, is a great way to get young people interested. And that won't be the fix all, uh, but it obviously will hopefully increase um, the number of people interested in officiating and, they can do it in their everyday school day. Absolutely. Well, and the nice thing about that program, and I've had some kids here that, that have graduated from Bar Eve and some kids that played for me at Lincoln and other schools that I know have went on. Um, they didn't go through the officiating 101 because that's new, but they have went on. They have got their license, and, like, they'll play intramural games, and they'll work for USI, and they'll call intramural games, and they get experience that way. Um, you know, they're not playing collegiate athletics, so they'll go do fifth and sixth grade basketball games, boys and girls. And they make a little extra money. And as a college student, you and I both know that's that's never a bad thing. You know, we have a lot of, of college kids that, that start in the official ranks, and, and they're out doing middle school games, JV games. Some of them um, have moved up to the varsity level by the time they graduate. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, college money is – or a college student is, is always – up for making a little extra money, and what a great way to do that. And many of them had great high school experiences and they want to continue uh, being connected to the game, and that's one way to do it. Absolutely. Well, you know, Coach, you, you talked about how you've been at schools 1A through 4A, and, um, you know, just just kind of touch on a little bit about the differences that you see with small schools, big schools, and just kind of how special small school athletics are Um you know, at the 1A, 2A level? Yeah, you know, I've been fortunate to be at, at several different places and probably one of the few that's been at about every level possible mm-hmm. in, in one capacity or another. And and I can tell you when I started my coaching career at North Vermillion, um, outside of also meeting my wife, uh, it was one of the greatest experiences um, of my career. I mean, you're dealing with small communities where when those lights come on on a Friday night, there, there's nothing else going on in town. Everybody's there at the football field or the basketball gym or whatever um, and enjoying high school athletics. And, and as you progress, you get um, – there's there's big school atmospheres like that as well. You know, Columbia City was a place for me that, that really had a small-town uh, feel where athletics and, and the school were still the, the center point of the community. Um, and you just had more people around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as you, as you go to other places, Evansville, Annapolis, Fort Wayne areas like that, um, you lose that one horse town feel a little bit. You've got five schools in a community or seven schools in a community. Um, and that kind of splits up that, 
the fan uh, following and the atmosphere on a on a Friday or Saturday night, um, but still very supportive communities that buy in and, and want to support their high school. So there's a lot of differences, but I will also tell you that if I have the option to, to go out and, and watch a, a game, you know, the small town feel is always still uh, extremely special to me and, and where I like to go watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you talk about the the fact of communities rallying around their teams, and especially I think in the small communities, you you really see that. Um, and when you talk about communities rallying around their team, I think two communities that really do a great job of that are Jasper and Vincennes. And as a kid, you grew up in the midst of that rivalry, and just just talk about how special that is. I was a part of that for a little while, and. Um, you know, I, I've been a part of the Bar Reeve Lagodi rivalry, and I've been a part of the Springs Valley Dubois rivalry. And there, there are rivalries that are pretty big, but that rivalry, I think, is very intense. And I don't know that I was fully prepared for it until I got in the midst of it. <laughs> well, you know, that's what's great about about sports is, is the rivalries that are are developed. And Jasper and Vincennes is is obviously the biggest one that I've been involved in, mm-hmm. and and I really came through in a time following. Um, my brother six years before where it really got heated mm-hmm. um, and then carried about four or five, six years after me um, where things were not necessarily uh, on the up and up from a sportsmanship standpoint <laughs> yeah. at times, but that's what made it fun. And if you're a competitor, those are the atmospheres that you like to be in. Um, you know, we joke, but I, I, we moved up here and I went to my first, uh, doctor's appointment my wife set up and the doctor was from Vincennes and I uh-huh. just looked at her and I said ma'am I can't do this <laughs> and she just started laughing but she knew exactly what I was talking about and yeah. that's, you know that's what's good the, the people in the community um, jump on board and you know at Jasper to the rivalry between Vincennes or, or Southridge or mm-hmm. you know whatever it may be Lagodi Barri, those are what make the atmosphere special, and and any kid that that has a competitive bone in their body uh, will thrive in that and love that, and that's again what what contributes to to high school athletics being so important in Indiana. Absolutely, you know, coaching there at Vincennes, when you're on the sidelines, you look down on the court, and it's a uh, Gunner Wyman court, and there at Alice Arena, and and you obviously understand the impact that that gentleman had on that program and that school and that community. And I loved it. Uh, about two weeks ago, I was listening to your brother on a podcast. I don't remember which podcast it was, but they asked him that question, and they asked him if he knew what was on the back of Gunnar Wyman's tombstone. And he goes, I know exactly what's on the back of that tombstone. He goes, but I also know exactly what my record was against those guys in high school. I thought that was phenomenal. I, I don't know that I'd laugh that hard about somebody making a comment like that on a podcast in quite some time. Um, uh, you're exactly right. Um. The next question I wanted to ask you is, you know, there have been some proposals um, with some changes in the tournament format. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one that I'll ask you about is the one that has just been surveyed with the IBCA this last week uh, about the change in the regional format. What are some of your mm-hmm. pros and cons, things you like, dislike about if we were to change it uh, from a two-game regional to a one-game regional and then subsequently a two-game semi-state? Well, I think the most important thing is, is we want everyone to understand that there's the tournament is not broken, mm-hmm. um, and basketball in Indiana obviously is not broken. And But but to say that we need to just continue on moving forward 
the same way it's always been until it is broken, I don't think would be very proactive on our part or the Coaches Association part. Mm -hmm. So as we look at this, this is not something that is a a new idea necessarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been talked about in this office for several years. Um, And we've gotten to the point is is talking to the Coaches Association that we felt it was time to to survey and possibly move forward. And I I think it's something that could carry over Mm -hmm. um, into some other sports for different reasons. But you know, you, you look at a high school team going through the sectional, winning three games to win a sectional championship, and then turn around and, and you're preparing for a two-game regional um, that week. Um, if we swap that, now you get a little bit of recovery time that week. You're preparing for one opponent um, to, to win that regional championship and then advance to the semi-state. And there's several parts to that. Um, you know, one thing is it will keep us a little bit more uh, regionally located and the ability to limit some travel. Um, but at the same time, you're advancing double the teams a week longer in the tournament, which can only bring more media, more fans, more communities that are continuing to be a, involved in the basketball tournament a week longer. Mm-hmm. And as we look at that regional as it is currently, you know, that is a great day in high school basketball. you got to win two, day, two games to advance. Mm-hmm. It's a tough, grueling day. And now we move that to the semi-state level to where that's on the showcase. Mm-hmm. We've got to win two games to get to the biggest game of all. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we see it as, as really increasing the excitement and, and making that the kind of the pinnacle of the tournament to advance to the state championship game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And, and so that's really the premise behind all of it. Um, we also will bring in uh, four additional sites, two in the north and two in the south, semi-state weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we carry more officials longer in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be fewer at the at the regional, but then more of them continue on to the uh, semi-state, which allows us to increase that pool of officials for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we really just think it's a, it would be a great move. And, and right now, in early numbers, has been very, very favorable. Mm-hmm. Um, with the regional um, at, at that level, just being one game, would you guys be playing – uh, like let's say at Washington, where you might have a 1A and a 3A regional game at Washington. Is that what you guys are looking at? It could be. Um, early early design of that tournament would be the same four teams are still sent to the same regional location as of right now. I got you. Um, I got so, you. So the same four sectionals are feeding in. You're just going to crown two regional championships, uh, similar to what we do at the semi-state level now. Okay. And okay. So then now you've got two champions and then advance. Um, four into the Simba State in the south and four into the Simba State in the north. Yeah, I just remember, um, I don't remember how many years ago it was that, you know, the midweek regionals, and I, I wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of that. And then yep. I wasn't a fan of, like, you know, for example, the odd number regionals hosting, the, the or excuse me, the odd number sectionals hosting the regional one year and then the evens the next year. I wasn't a big fan of that. But I definitely see the positives uh, that could come from the officiating standpoint and then also from the advancement of, of different teams and communities being involved deeper into the tournament. So it, it's definitely a unique thing to, to take a look at, and, and it'll be exciting to see uh, if those proposals uh, get changed. The other, one, And that's the big thing that we want to make sure that everybody understands is we had some people reference the, the midweek regional right away. We're like, we're not going back to that. You're correct. Nobody yeah. Nobody likes that. It's it's simply just taking 
the third week of the tournament and swapping it with the second week of the tournament played on Saturday. And mm-hmm. again, hopefully it'll be a, a boost to already great tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Another proposed change, and this one I think has lost a little bit of traction recently, um, but it was the um, development of a super class. You know, the top 32 uh, enrollment would have a fifth class. Kind of tell us where that's at, what what your thoughts are, and the give and take there. Yeah, the Athletic Directors Association um, came forth with some type of a class change proposal, and there's there's several options they're looking at. Uh, one would be a fifth class, which would be adding one, um, and, and would be set with probably the top 32 or 33 schools mm-hmm. um, and then divide the bottom four from there. Um, there's also been talk of a four-class system with enrollment figure cutoffs. And, and mm-hmm. so that, you know, even in the current system, 4A would be, say, 2,000 students and above, mm-hmm. and that's 4A. And then uh, 3A may be 800 and above. Mm-hmm. You know, a majority of our schools are still – zero to 800. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the majority of mm-hmm. our schools. Um, and so it's, you know, looking at ways to, to narrow that gap, that enrollment gap um, a little bit, but there's been conversation even sent back to the three class system. And, and so they were polling their uh, athletic administrators across the state. And, and I don't know that they got a whole lot of traction on one or the other at the uh, March AD's clinic. Um, and so we have not heard anything back at this point, but I'm sure uh, they'll be, you know, settling in on one proposal to come back and discuss. But, you know, there's some merit to, to a change, and we're always looking at that to improve our, our tournament, and, and that's not obviously a, a basketball um, deal. That is all team sports across the board outside of football, mm-hmm. because obviously football, we can't play a tournament with more than 64. So yeah. um, those are always things that we're looking at. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see where, where it lands. Mm-hmm. Well, and you bring up a really good point when you talk about football and not being able to expand the tournament beyond 64 teams in, in a certain class. And that's one of the things that I talk about with coaches when, when they say, you know, well, I think we should look at doing it this way. And, I, you know, then I remind them, hey, the IHSA, they listen to that, you know, for specific sports. Uh, but at the same time, They've got to take in consideration all sports. And, you know, how how would that affect football? How would that affect wrestling? And obviously they are different sports, so there's going to be different formats used. But you have to look at the bigger impact, uh, especially from your seat versus a seat like mine where it's just simply a basketball coach. Absolutely. And, you know, that done with uh, class realignments. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, there's a lot of discussion across the state in certain areas about, you know, why are we in this sectional? Why are we not in this sectional? And, you know, it's important to remind people that we bring um, a committee together from various sections of the state because I don't know Valparaiso, Indiana, as well as I know Southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and someone coming from Valparaiso doesn't know Southern Indiana, et cetera. And so we bring a group of people that have the insight in those areas and, and make decisions for the tournament as a whole. Mm-hmm. But it's the same same thing we're explaining to them when they come in. Don't come in with personal agendas. You've got to come in and look at what's best for the tournament as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that's what's hard when people get their alignments and they, they start looking at their session. Well, why isn't it this 16s or this 17s? Or, you know, why are we going over here? And it's important to understand that, you know, we've got 407 schools that we've got to take care of. And, 
and some of our classes are extremely spread out mm-hmm. um, just geographically and you've got to figure out what the best way to make them fit and there are several solutions yeah um, but these are the solutions that the committees um, chose this time and that's what's important to remember well and the other thing that I'll give your committee's credit for is they ask for input you know from the various mm-hmm. schools on different things and uh, one of the things that, that we looked at, I had a student teacher that was here with me, uh, Robert Sullivan, who's an assistant coach over at Shoals, and we were looking at 1A basketball. And obviously, if you look at different things like Orleans being in our sectional and the possibility of them being in a different sectional, so we looked at mileage. And sometimes people don't understand that like a school like Rising Sun, from Rising Sun to the closest uh, – you know, sectional site that was held last year was an hour and 10 or an hour and 15 minutes. And it's just, it makes it really tough when you have a a school like that because you got to keep them in their class and you're trying to get them someplace close geographically. But sometimes that just becomes tough. I know East Central over by Cincinnati Mm -hmm. is a 4A school that becomes really tough, you know, with what you do and they change sectional. So that's not an easy process that those committees have to go through. Not at all. And there, like you said, there's some outliers out there that make it difficult. And, and, you know, you have to remember too, that, you know, you're, you're 15 miles and 15 miles down 465 or 70 or 69, uh, isn't the same 15 miles. And, and so, you know, we look at all that and you take into consideration some conferences, you know, they're used to traveling to those schools and, and those and keeping those schools together. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but obviously we want to keep kids traveling as, as little as possible, especially when these tournaments are taking place during the week and they've got to get back and get homework done and get back in school. Um, but but like you said, sometimes with those outliers, they're just not a great option, and you just got to figure out what works best. Absolutely. And one other question about the, the format of the tournaments that I'm going to ask you, and this is probably the most difficult question I'm going to throw at you today. <laughs> And, and you probably knew this was coming, success factor. What, uh, what do you see about potential changes with that, or, or um, do you think it's here to stay? Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I th- I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, it's here to stay in some form or another. I think it's been um, effective in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will always be people that, that don't like it, don't like how it turns out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that, and, and it's, you know, again, looking at it, the lens from your school or, or a neighboring school or a local school, not looking at it as a whole. And I think when you evaluate the how the success factor has been assessed and, and been successful over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we're always looking at it. There's obviously been changes to the point systems and, and looking at how many points it takes to stay up or how many points it takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to move up and if you're up two classes or one class you know we're always having discussions with our board and and looking at ways to improve that as well and then when you see changes to the, the formats of the tournament you know do we take into consideration that it's a one game regional if that's what it comes to mm-hmm. um, and how many points it takes to stay up etc so mm-hmm. those are all conversations that are happening um, but I think overall uh, when you look at when it began uh, to where it is now, there have been some great changes, and, and we continue moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up a really good point, too, with the point system, because if you change the format of the tournament uh, to like a one-game regional, whether that's in basketball, volleyball, baseball, 
then you almost have to change the point format with success factor because it does become a little easier to advance. So those it, are things it, like it you does. said. Yeah, go ahead. It does become a little easier to advance. And, and I think it also depends on what community uh, you're at. You know, you guys are obviously in a community that's been very successful in sports and advanced deep into the tournament. Mm-hmm. You've got other places in the state that um, if they win two sectionals in a class, they're pretty competitive and mm-hmm. need to stay where they're at. Mm-hmm. You've got others that if they're not, you know, knocking on the state championship door every week or every year, you know, then they're not considered as successful. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, again, the balancing act of, of 407 schools right. across the state in different situations. Absolutely. Well, Brian, we have taken a lot of your time here this morning, and I, I appreciate every minute that you've given us. And so I've got just a few questions here to finish up, and then we kind of put you through mm-hmm. a speed round. But going back to your coaching days, um, you you obviously – you know, attended clinics, you you went to watch college practices, uh, different things like that. You had kids that were being recruited. Who's one coach that just sticks out in your mind that if you could give a basketball coach advice on, hey, read that guy, maybe it's Nick Saban, um, you know, uh, Lou Holtz. This guy was really good with his motivational stuff. Who's one guy that you could point a basketball coach to uh, that maybe is a good read or a good follow? You know, I'm, I'm not for sure that I can give you one. And, and the reason I say that is, you know, I'm a true believer that, you know, you pull from everything that you do and, and everyone that you come in, in contact with, you're going to pull a little bit, good or bad, from, from anybody you come in contact with. And so I, I encourage coaches that, that as you look at those guys that have been extremely successful, the Tom Izzo's, the Jay Wright's, the Mick Cronin, you know, on and on, um, I think it's important to look at what they've done and what has worked for them and what things are, are positive that you can maybe incorporate. But at the same time, you have to assess yourself and you've got to be yourself. Um, you can't try to be someone else or do it the way someone else did it. You've got to be true to yourself in order to be successful. And I think it's important to, to learn as you move down the road. And, and, you know, I've learned from as many people of, hey, that's not how I would do it or that mm-hmm. didn't work or I shouldn't do that mm-hmm. as I have of all the positive aspects that a, that a coach may do. Absolutely. You know, and I would echo that because, you know, when you get a head coaching job, it, it can't be about, hey, this guy did it this way, so I'm going to do it that way all the time. Because if you do that, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. And uh, I think that's a great, great point. Well, Brian, if – I were to give you tickets to anything. I don't know who your favorite Major League Baseball team is, your favorite NFL team. I don't know if you're a big Bruce Springsteen fan. But if I were going to give you tickets to go to see anything, see any team, what would you choose? Our high school state championships. All right. And people people will say that's because of where you're at, and it is. Because I I truly believe I've, I've gotten the opportunity this year to experience state championships that I've never been in before. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I oversee cross country and to see all of those runners take off at the start line uh, in Terre Haute is, is unbelievable atmosphere. And that's been carried through every state championship that we've had up to this point. So I truly believe high school athletics is about as pure as it gets. And, and that's why, you know, I would say if I have the option, I'm going to go watch a high school contest. Absolutely. Well, you know, you hit on this earlier when you talked about venues and you talked about the track and field state finals at IU and, you know, victory field for baseball. The cross-country state championships at Terre Haute is unbelievable. And if 
if people have not got an opportunity to go see that, go go check that out. That is that is something to see. It's we, an exceptional venue and great people to work with, and it, it truly is a great a great spectacle. And we now have uh, the voice of IndyCar and Mark James helping mm-hmm. call the event. So uh, we just keep reminding him that they're kids and not cars running around the track, and, and so we keep him on that. <laughs> yeah, you just got to give him a heads up on that. <laughs> um, growing up, who was your favorite team? Uh, well, growing up, Jasper High School. Jasper High uh, School. But I was, I was an, an Indiana fan mm-hmm. um, growing up and, and always have been. And I was kind of opposite. My family kind of grew up in the Lafayette uh, area and were Purdue fans. And, uh-huh. and there were a lot of people believe that's where Michael was headed. But yeah. uh, I stayed true to IU and, and made it even easier when he attended there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, um, you are – it's a Friday night. You've got a free night, which I know is not very common in your life with what you do and, and the places that you're at supporting high school athletics. But let's say you got a free night and you're going to take the wife out to eat up there. Where's a good place that you would recommend? Ooh, I'm a, I'm a hole-in-the-wall type of place. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we're still searching some places here, I can tell you, in this area. They don't have pizza like Tyrone's in Evansville. I've, I've yet to find a, a spot that can really match that. But, uh, you know, to be honest, if I have a Friday night off, it's, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly content on the back back deck, like to grill up and play with the kids and have a good time. Absolutely. I, I, I'm right there with you. I would just as soon grill it up myself as to go anywhere if you get a free night. Absolutely. All right. Well, helping your wife around the house, what's your least favorite chore around the house? Uh, laundry laundry <laughs> do you do do you do a lot of laundry there in the lewis house or i do not i i, I do the, <laughs> most of the cooking and i'll help clean up a little bit the laundry is not my forte yeah i, I wasn't trying to get you in trouble there either but <laughs> <laughs> oh she knows <laughs> yeah, yeah well hey again brian i appreciate your time this morning i appreciate the job that you do and everybody up there at the ihsa and you know that's one thing that that i think about when I think about the IHSA is whether it's fans, whether it's administrators, whether it's coaches, um, you know, nobody can ever agree all the time on everything that happens with high school athletics. It's just not going to happen. But I commend you guys because I do think Indiana has the best high school athletics in the country. And that's not just coming from the fact that I live here. It's talking to people all across the country. It's going to other high school athletic events in other states. And and what we do here in Indiana is truly special, and I think a lot of that comes from the IHSA. So thank you for everything that you guys do. Well, I appreciate that, and I can promise you as long as we continue to, to focus on the last kid on the bench rather than the first one, uh, we're going to be all right in Indiana and, and high school athletics will get, continue to thrive. Amen. Well, Brian, thanks a lot, and uh, you have a good rest of your spring and into the summer as we get ready to go into next school year, um, and best of luck with finishing up with all your spring state finals. Thank you very much for having me on, and it's truly a joy, and I'd be more than happy to do it anytime. Okay. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you. Well, we definitely thank Assistant Commissioner Brian Lewis for being on this week's edition of Checking It from the Cheap Seats busy man he's anywhere and everywhere he is the assistant commissioner again thank you to brian for being on with us today and sharing a lot of information that folks may know and may have forgotten or maybe didn't know 
about the IHSA and the things that they do. We appreciate uh, him being on with us today. Next week, make sure that you are with us as we host the strength and conditioning coach of the Indiana Hoosiers men's basketball team, Cliff Marshall, going to be on with us next week. You don't want to miss this one. This one's going to be a great one. He's going to talk about Coach Woodson. He's going to talk about the who, who, Hoosiers. It's going to be a good one. And until then, keep chucking it from the cheap seats. Chucking it from the cheap seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com.